to Out of the Box with Christine, the podcast for conscious entrepreneurs. Are you willing to step into your greatness? Are you ready to shine? Well, get ready, Truth Seeker. You're in for an amazing ride. And now, here's the host of the show, Christine Blasden. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Out of the Box with Christine. I am your host, Christine Blasdale. And oh, I am so glad you tuned in today because we have a really an informative, educational, inspirational show for anyone who has been the victim of uh, those vampire, those energy vampires known as narcissists. My guest today is Heather Kent. And Heather is a registered psychotherapist and Canadian certified counselor in from Nova Scotia. <laughs> Nova Scotia. I'm talking Canadian now. Uh, in Canada, with a background in trauma assessment and treatment. And she is the author of the best-selling book, I Left My Toxic Relationship, Now What? And also the, uh, the book called Heal From Your Narcissist X. Oh, we've got so much to talk about, Heather. Welcome to Out of the Box with Christine. Thank you so much for having me. I am so happy to be here. And yes, I am Nova Scotian um, and uh, currently living far from the ocean. Now I live in Ontario now, but uh, yes. Well, uh, I, Canadians are my some of my favorite people. You're so cool. You, you, you just kind of, you're just like, you're, you're like a blend of all these. The only thing is, is in Canada, I, I, I have, I have not yet said I can't wait for some Canadian food. Oh, well, you're, you're, you're missing out on the poutine and yes. the maple syrup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's where it's at. There's Mexican food, there's Italian food, there's Japanese food. And I told my friend who's Canadian, I go, I've never said, oh, I am just hankering for some Canadian food. Canadian food. I know it's true because, you know, in every region of Canada kind of has different flavors. So like an East Coast girl, bring on the fish, right? So bring me the seafood. So that's, that's my jam. (laughs) (laughs) Well, again, thank you for, for coming on and sharing your expertise but we're, let's just jump right into this, shall we? Absolutely. Because uh, for, for those that are tuning in that don't know what a narcissist is, uh, mm. would, you like to, would you like to take the, um, the, the, the field here and, and talk about what is a narcissist? So it is, uh, I think it's a really important question because it's a really popular kind of bit of a buzzword, I think, too, right now. Um, And so, you know, it's a real difference between people who might have like some narcissistic traits versus full-blown narcissistic personality disorder, right? And so to to kind of go with the full personality disorder, the diagnostic criteria from the American Psychological Association um, has a very specific set of criteria. There's nine different sort of key traits five of which, only five of which you have to possess, any combination of any five. Um, and I, and so it, it, it kind of ranges from like grandiosity, like really over the top, overt, you know, look at me, I'm amazing, I'm fantastic, I'm the best, I've fixed everything and I'm just wonderful. And, you know, the sun shines out my rear end and nothing, I do nothing wrong. And look at me, look at how fantastic I am. Um, and so there's that aspect, there is the key hallmark, real kind of trait of any kind of narcissistic personality is the lack of empathy. And so they really miss, they have this part that's just not there, where they don't have the capacity or ability to even consider how other people may be feeling, how what they do may impact other people. And even if that is pointed out to them, it still doesn't factor into the decision-making process. They're gonna do what they're gonna do for them because the ends always justify the means to get their needs met regardless. And so the lack of empathy is really the hallmark piece. And then you have like some jealousy, we have inner insecurity that's being hidden by these you know, grandiose gestures and this overtness. Um, and that's kind of the more common I think, sort of thought that people have when they think of a narcissist. And that's not untrue. However, I I have a bit of a 
pickle with the APA's version of what a narcissist is because it's really only categorizing one sort of subtype of narcissistic personalities that exist, which is that kind of, we call it an overt narcissist. So that really, you know, extroverted, over the top, want to be in the spotlight, give me attention, me, 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 I'm fantastic. You might think of some politicians uh, in current recent events that may yes. come to mind. Um, yes. And so these, um, these are the, you know, the things that are portrayed off in media and, um, you know, in, in movies and that kind of thing. However, we have like three other major sort of categories of narcissistic personalities that I think are less known to people. And I think these are the ones that are really important for us to know about. Right. So if it, if it, if you don't mind, maybe I'll please do. Please. <laughs> so um, the, the kind of more confusing one is sort of the opposite of that grandiose overt narcissistic type. We call these covert or um, uh, sort of fragile narcissists. And these people don't like to be in the center of attention. And the reason for that, so they're more introverted, they don't like to have attention drawn to them, they still possess that inner grandiosity where they they think and believe that they're better than other people, that they don't do anything wrong, you know, they still will not accept responsibility for their actions or their behavior, there's no accountability, lots of blaming, deflecting, right? Um, but the big difference is that they don't want people to pay attention to them because they are so terrified of judgment from others that they actually don't want to draw attention to themselves. And so very opposite to a grandiose narcissistic personality who reports high levels of happiness. They think everything's great. You know, they think their relationships are amazing because they're just so delusional. Like they have no clue that you know, their, their partners or spouses secretly hate them. <laughs> so, um, they think everything's fantastic because they're just very delusional. And so they report high levels of happiness and like, you know, they think that everything's okay. Whereas a covert narcissist, for example, will report high levels of anxiety. They report, you know, not having stable relationships. They're very insecure. They have high levels of depression. Um, and so they, they don't have stable relationships because they, they harbor this sort of inner resentment and they're, the jealousy and comparing. So there's a lot of um, sort of keeping up with the Joneses going on in a covert, fragile, narcissistic kind of mindset. Um, and so and very important to maintain the outer appearance of everything, of them being you know perfect um, because the judgment and like fear of judgment or perceived light from others would just crumble their their egos right and so that inner fragility that insecurity that they all have every narcissist is very insecure underneath it all but they harbor that and they hide that from the outside and so the covert narcissist will report having like being diagnosed even with like depression anxiety possibly adhd substance abuse issues addiction issues that kind of thing um and it's all kind of tangled up in, in a narcissistic personality disorder that is um, undiagnosed quite often. And then well, in my case, in my case, I was married to a communal narcissist. Oh, oh joy. Yes. What is a communal oh, yes. narcissist? <laughs> so they're actually even trickier to figure out and to kind of spot because they outwardly present themselves as being amazing humans oh yeah. one of those yes. good people they're volunteering they're donating money they're on the board of directors for charities you right know, non organizations service organizations they're you know erecting swing sets and public gardens and coaching the hockey teams and all this sort of stuff which is all wonderful of course, but then you the, the, the kicker is what's the motivator behind those lovely things that they're doing? And the motivator for a communal narcissist is of course the recognition, mm. right? So mm. they do those things, not because they wanna be a good person or because they wanna give back, they feel you know moral or ethical responsibility to humanity or anything like that. It's more, they need to be viewed 
as the best good person out there, right? And so everything they do is for that recognition of he's such a great guy. She's such an amazing woman. Oh my gosh, she's just so, you're so lucky to be with this person. Like, I can't even believe how amazing they are. You know, they're a great neighbor, a great friend. They're super reliable. They're fantastic. Well, you know, they're very social. So like they have good social skills so that they don't, they're not awkward. So they, you know, they're fun to be around. They're easy to get along with. And then you go home with them. <laughs> yeah. And then, then, the you marry them. then you marry them. And <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. So and so I can't tell you if I had, you know, a, a dollar for every time I was told, Heather, you are so lucky, you know, to oh. be with them. I would be a millionaire. And because they, because they can be so charming too. Very They're, they're really good actors. They're Very really, good. Right. Excellent. Like they should be in drama programs. They like, should, yeah. they could, they could be like winning Oscars for their performance. Absolutely. On a daily basis, they, they put on Oscar worthy performances and they did so, you know, in my case too, and like in front of my family and whatever, like they're very good at what they do. And so for the, you know, the whole outside world thought that my life was perfect with, you know, charmed and I had this great relationship, great guy, whatever. Little did they know um, what was really going on behind closed doors. And then finally, the most sort of dangerous, I would say like life-threatening type of narcissist was what we would call, and it borderlines on the psychopathic, sociopathic, part of the dark triad, we call it. Um, And this is a malignant narcissist. A malignant malignant narcissist. I've never heard that term. Yeah. And so it it sounds as bad as it like it is sounds like cancer yes yes it it pretty much like it's it it slowly kills you um but really the the hallmark of them is that the not only do they have the lack of empathy you know as all narcissistic personalities do but in this case they actually get pleasure from inflicting pain pain and purposefully like making it their mission to destroy other people and like that is what brings them joy, basically, right? So it's that real sociopathic kind of psychopathy that, and it, and it borders on that. And, and that's where you'd see, you know, more kind of like dictator Adolf Hitler kind of scenario, right? right. Um, where, you know, the, the, the joy comes from power control and, you inflicting know, pain. inflicting pain on others. Yeah. And especially the emotional pain because, Oh, 100%. Because that's not, because if you, you know, if, if your spouse, you know, beat the crap out of you, you know, you'd have bruises. You could say to your neighbor, look, look what he's done to me. But when it's a psychological, right. And, and trust me, I know when it's that psychological, um, F ing that they do with your mind, (laughs) you, you, you don't know after a while too, you don't know what, because they're so convincing and yeah. so good and their whole, their whole life is wrapped around being able to manipulate you. Exactly. Exactly. And, 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 and after a while, I know I can understand some people going, the sky is actually really green because he says it's green and and it must be. Yeah. And it must <laughs> yeah. be. I must've had it wrong this whole time. Yeah. Silly me. Yeah. 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 Oh, for real. And, and the thing that I think is also a big misconception that society has is that it's not abuse unless there's physical wound. Oh my gosh. No. Right. And this is like, I want to just blow this out of the water right now because absolutely not. And, you know, in my opinion, physical the physical manifestation of abuse is just the final step of it right like it went so far in the psychological damage emotional damage and there's nothing left but to start beating the person right and so by the time it gets to physical violence make no mistake the psychological abuse has always been there um and so this is something that i think is really so in in the province of ontario for example in a court of law in terms of like, you know, legal legalities and, and support for, you know, abuse victims. Finally, as of this year, 2021, in January, the court of Ontario 
decided that psychological abuse is part of domestic violence. And so in 2021. Yeah. Wow. And it's just Ontario. Like not all the other provinces have decided that it has to be physical violence. And it had to be physical violence here to be considered, you know, domestic abuse in terms of separation and divorce and that kind of thing. Um, and protection of the abused uh, party um, until this year. So it's 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 a real big problem. Well, and and here's the thing is with a, a narcissist, and I know there's different level again there, and we even have maybe some narcissistic traits, just average people walking around. But we're talking about the vampire narcissist yeah, in exactly. many respects. The 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 yeah. issue is is that they have all the time in the world to mess with you you know and it's amazing how they find this time because they all I know. Jobs <laughs> and you know successful careers a lot of them like they they, they. well they're <laughs> overachievers they in many ways right and that's for the facade i'm a yeah. upstanding businessman in the you know community blah, 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 blah. i'm a doctor i'm a psychiatrist i'm a lawyer i'm yes. a very much the outside appearances are, is very important. Absolutely. It is. Right. But what happens is that they, and here's the thing. Um, if it's a, a, a partner, spouse, girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever, yeah. what they do is they find out your secrets, your weak points, your, if you ever once cheated on a or, you know, fudged a little thing on a tax form or you did something and they draw that out of you. Yeah, or even, you know, some thing, some terrible belief that you have about yourself, like Ex- a low self-esteem Low issue. self-esteem, or if you were traumatized at a young age and you said, you know, because they come on you and they say, you know what, uh, you're my soulmate. You're my, you're the best person in the whole wide world. I protect you. I love you. (laughs) And tell me your secrets. And then, so you tell this person who you're, even it might be your, you know, husband or soon to be husband or wife. And you're like, well, I got to tell him all my things. So you expose yourself as vulnerable and say, well, this happened to me. And, you know, really, they just file that in their little cabinet. And, and when the opportunity pull it out in, when they need it, right? Yeah. And that is the mental manipulation and abuse that they rely on. And they have no problem telling others about it, saying, mm-hmm. telling others that, oh, this person, you know, my wife is crazy, you know. Oh so, yeah. Yeah. So did you were my, you did you get the crazy? <laughs> my ex-husband phoned my family oh. and told them while I was at work, told them that I had had a psychotic break and that I was off sleeping with multiple people and that I, you know, that he had proof and that I needed to be committed and needed psychiatric help. Oh, he tried to commit you. Oh, no. He told my family that. that he told that your family was- to commit you. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, they were visiting my poor sister. She was like nine months pregnant at the time. So she couldn't get on a plane and my parents were with her. So they were all like hysterical. And like, of course, again, because he was a communal narcissist, he's a great guy. What would he, what reason would he have to make something this, you know, like, how would you make this up? Right. So I must have lost my mind. And and then I, I don't know, I called them to say, how's it going? How are you doing? Like, yeah, hi, mom. <laughs> how you doing? They wouldn't talk to me. They wouldn't get on the phone with me. They like, and then my dad got on the phone. And he started yelling at me about how I had to be a better wife. And then he hung oh, up the oh, phone. Oh, no, he didn't. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. And I had no idea what was happening because I didn't know that he had called them and told them all this stuff. So for like weeks, my family refuses to speak to me and I have no idea I've done something terrible and I'm trying to atone for this. And like, you know, going to counseling and I asked him to go to couples therapy and then he tried to shame me to the therapist. And it was actually the therapist, the couples therapist that told me, you got to get out. This is not healthy. You have to leave. Wow. Thank goodness. You know, that was the slap in the face that I needed. (laughs) It's like, you know, the, the marriage therapist typically doesn't say, 
yeah, let's get let's, out, let's call it, let's call it, you know? Um, but you know, that's, that's how, that's what she was seeing. So, well, and you touched on something that's absolutely really important and you, if you could feel free to expound on this, um, since you are a psychotherapist as well, uh, we tend to want to, as human beings, and, and if we love someone, we, if they're narcissistic or not, we want to fix them. We want oh, to, yeah. we, we want to say, well, they just need therapy or, or I can make this person nicer, better. Um, in my experience, and I've spoken also to with Dr. Judith Orloff, oh, um, yeah. the, 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 the queen of empathy, uh, there is no fixing these people. There is no redemption. Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah. Can you expand I on mean, that? Cause, cause I want to, we're speaking to, we're speaking to directly to those people who think you can fix a, especially a master narcissist, a sociopathic narcissist. Okay. They lack empathy, which means yeah. they don't care how you feel or how the children feel or yeah. how the dog feels. No. So can you please expand on this? Cause I think it's really important. We, we do, we well, want to fix people, but 100%, yeah. 100%. So, um, this, excuse me, this dog is just a little bit rangy right now. So if I, if you see it's me okay. rambling, that's what's happening. It's okay. Um, so yeah, this is a real big problem. And, you know, I've been involved with court cases that are like next level, I don't know how this person hasn't been committed. Like for real, when you read, when you read like the court documents and you read the, you know, the, the claims that the, you know, the, the narcissistic partner has made and, you know, the 128 page capacity, parenting capacity assessments and like all of these things, he, they don't have, they don't have access to their children because of how abusive they are, but they are, you know, claiming parental alienation from the other parent and like trying to um convince the courts that the psychologists are inept and you know should be disqualified from practice <laughs> like going after all of the like it's just like you said they have all the time in the world to to fight and to to try and destroy you and and this is you know people do ask me often can a narcissist you know like heal or like recover or like get better and you know the answer is yes but and it's a huge but huge caveat and there was actually an article in psychology today about this um back in january which i thought was really interesting and yes they can it is possible and like you know i do actually have a couple of narcissistic clients which is and it's interesting because they do they can see it but it is very slow work because you are constantly battling the ego constant and it's like you know you, you make progress and you you know they, they're in self and they can see it and they're like okay i'm going to make these changes i'm going to practice this this week and they come back the next week and it's like they've regressed as if you've never had the conversation so it's very very slow very frustrating work but here's the thing let's talk about a public figure who who might fit into this category that we may be aware of. And let's picture whether number one, that person is gonna admit that they have a problem. Let's picture if number two, that person is going to agree to go to a psychiatrist for a diagnosis of NPD. And then let's picture whether that person is going to agree to go to therapy like weekly for the next however many years to get better. Let's talk about that. No, they're not. <laughs> so, you know, it's really interesting. I was like looking up stats about how many narcissists are in the world. You know, there's something like, I don't know, 120 million narcissists in the world diagnosed. But how many people do you think actually get diagnosed who really are suffering from this personality disorder, but who, you know, they, they're never the problem there's nothing wrong with them. It's all you. It's everybody else. The world is out to get them. The world is to blame. They are perfect. You know, it's all just everyone else's fault, everyone else's problem. And so they're never going to go and get the help that they need. Or they'll say, yes, sure. I'll go to therapy. 
and they'll sit down with the therapist and they will talk about how they are the victim and the good person who has had to, you know, put up with so much difficulty in the relationship. Yeah, they're the, exactly. They had to sacrifice so much. And then this therapist who doesn't know and can't see it is validating them and giving them one hour of undivided. And validating a narcissist is dangerous. Well, that's what they need to survive. So we call this narcissistic supply. Supply. Exactly. Let's talk about that doctor, because, (laughs) because, because, that's the, that's the thing. And cause, cause some people too understand, they, they don't understand why they're like, but why, why would someone spend so much time great, trying great question. to trying to hurt me, manipulating my mind, triangulation, all these things, ghosting, right? The yeah. ghosting is the worst, right? Oh. Uh, I love you. 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 Then nothing yeah. Dead. ignoring you. And like fell off a cliff. Yeah. So your mind is, you're like, what, what, what do I do? Oh, no, right, no, no. So the why, most people want to say why, Yep. and this is important because it's the food. It's the food of the narcissist. It's like the blood supply. Totally. And and so when people ask me why, like, because even like, because when I do, you know, recovery work, like with, with people who, you know, are survivors and trying to like rebuild after that um the, constantly you know and even if they if they're co-parenting and they're still involved you know in the use of children as the as the manipulation tool right and if they're constantly still like barraging you with whatever and you know they're at like why i don't understand like how could they do this how why and my answer to them is twofold number one you're trying to approach this from a place of logic and we can't do that because we are not dealing with a logical being. We are dealing with a personality disorder that only understands one thing, which is their own self-interest. And so we can't approach it from a place of logic and what we would never do because we have empathy and they don't. And so the, you know, the answer to why is because they have a personality disorder. Does that excuse their behavior? Hell no, 100% not. You gotta take responsibility for yourself and put on, pull up your big, your big grown-up pants and like deal with your stuff, right? At some point. But um, the issue is for a narcissist, they are in desperate need of, like you said, the blood supply, right? And I liken it. My my analogy to it is kind of like um, a gas tank that has a leak that has a hole in the, in the tank and you fill the tank, you know, with premium fuel and, and you go back to the same gas pump because it's a great pump and it's always there and it's reliable and it gives great gas and it's, you know, high quality and it's consistent, but there's a hole in the freaking tank and the tank is never full. And you can't just keep going back to that tank because that tank eventually gets, you know, the, the pump runs out of gas. So you got to go to other pumps. And you constantly are filling this tank with multiple pumps of different sources of gas to try and keep it full. And this is what it is like for a narcissist survival. And I do mean it. Survival is key and they need supply to survive. How do they get it? One person will never be enough. You could be the queen of England with all the castles and jewels and everything else. You could be perfect. You could be, you know, the servant, you know, the, the, the trophy partner, whatever it is, the master chef, it doesn't matter. It won't ever be enough because one person is never enough for us to, to give them the supply that they require to survive and feed their narcissism. Yikes. <laughs> and the thing is, is like you said, there are millions of these they're like zombies to me. Undocumented, roaming the streets. Roaming like- the streets, making, and here's the thing, making people's lives miserable yeah. And, yeah. And, and affecting whole families, whole oh, communities. Like I deal with it. I mean, no, I, guess, I guess it's not so, it's not really indirectly anymore. It was indirectly, but I deal with it now um, through the children of my partner um, because the the other half's family is a narcissistic family um and so yeah it's so so, it's not just one in the family it's a it's a pod (laughs) 
and it and it it often is intergenerational it, that um, that is yeah. key and and also you know uh my i'm always i'm always interested in not just um like with even with films you know movies not just watching a film about a villain right but mm -hmm. but knowing how the villain became the villain so Absolutely. how did darth vader become darth vader how did maleficent become maleficent, become maleficent. how did oh. you did you know what i'm saying like how, how did, did the how did the the 101 dalmatians that evil lady how did she, Deville, yeah right? and, and when you and when you find out about you know when they do these sort of character studies is the word i was looking for character studies on these villains there's often a very tragic trauma history a right? tragic thing that happens to them yeah. at a very young age correct and, and that I is know, absolutely yeah. and that's where the, i think that's where also the split happens because i've i've spoken to, uh, about the subject matter and i've spoken with a particular person who is a a self-identified master well, narcissist. you've interviewed a very prominent yes. one yes yes we'll, we'll include that link in the show notes because yeah. it was um it was quite eye-opening but yeah. um even though his ego and everything he was you know it was very much about this i'm doing something noble by telling you it's kind of like the magician showing you how they saw the lady in half this yeah, is exactly. about the narcissist there was a moment where because i said you know were you born this way or were you created like mm -hmm. this i mean mm -hmm. did, did something happen it, it develop yeah and mm -hmm. it was a moment where it you know i think this was in part three but there was a moment where he did start to touch on um and he, and he talked about his mother mm -hmm. and um you could tell there was something and mm -hmm. he he started to go in there and then he kind of and then he came back out because it was yeah. way too yeah. scary too so, sensitive for them to go so to, i yeah. severe trauma abuse i'm thinking sexual abuse physical abuse emotional abuse but at oh, a really yeah. young there, age so abuse yes for sure um that can be that can lead to a narcissistic personality development also um like a survivor of like war or um like displacement from like a natural disaster and you know your whole family is killed and then it's just you and you have to survive and then it becomes very all about your survival right and so those things can also kind of developmentally lead down that road the other and i would say really prominent factor is if one of your parents is a narcissist right um and so again certain public figures that we might be aware of has siblings who are not the same and it's very very common in a in like a family uh group like in dyna family dynamics or family systems for if there's a family of like more than one child one of them is chosen as the golden child by the narcissistic parent the other children are Ignored. invisible children or scapegoat children or um the truth teller which is then kind of the exiled child and um the invisible child you know doesn't exist and everything they do isn't good enough you don't get noticed you don't get attention you don't get praise whatever and so i mean those children develop other issues in adulthood um but the golden child most often becomes the narcissistic adult oh right <gasps> oh my god because they can do no wrong. They're amazing. They're wonderful. You know, again, right, like, right. They've been told their whole life. That's yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, they, they put rainbows like, you know, yeah. um, <laughs> and, so, and so, you know, they're put on this pedestal They're you know, no one is good enough for them. They're, you know, they don't, they, the, the rivers and oceans should be parted for this kid. And, you know, how dare you give them an 85 when they deserve and, you know, they think they should get a 95 or whatever right so um yeah so that kind of thing very very common to have a narcissistic parent breed more narcissistic children wow so would you would you mind because i i know a lot of people that are tuning into this that are listening to this or watching it on youtube um are are victims of narcissists they've they've either yeah. been in a relationship and then figured it out and trust me there's a lot of there's a lot of people walking around thinking that it's them that oh, thinking that yeah. they're 
insecure or jealous or crazy and they don't realize that they've been in a relationship with a narcissist or they've been manipulated by a narcissist they don't know so if they're coming across this for the first time by the way this could be um a bit triggering for people Absolutely. right and especially if you've been a victim of a narcissist and it was extreme abuse then this could be a bit triggering for you but what we want to do is also give you some tools uh, as Absolutely. well so Absolutely. Um, so if you don't mind also what, what so let's say we find out right? We, we wake up one day and go, holy shit, <laughs> I'm married to a narcissist or I'm in a relationship with a narcissist. What, what are some, what are some things that we can do um, uh, immediately? <laughs> what, what can we do? Um, and then, and then I understand you have some, also some resources for, for people. Yeah. So if some of you might be wondering, some of people listening, am I involved with one? Um, so there's a little bit of a, a kind of cheat sheet sort of checklist questions that you can ask yourself. So I'll run those, through those really quickly so that you can kind of, you know, do a little self check in as you're listening um, to help you to kind of decipher if this is what you're dealing with. So you might ask questions such as, you know, does my partner experience an exaggerated sense of self-importance? Do they require constant admiration from others? Do they expect total compliance from others? You know, do as I say, not as I do kind of thing. Double standards, the rules don't apply to them, but everyone else needs to listen to what they want them to do. Um, do they struggle to recognize, here's the hallmark part, do they struggle to recognize the emotions and needs of other people? Does my partner ever expect special treatment or favors to be pulled from other people? Do they ever experience heightened jealousy about the success or the perceived success of other people? Do they insist on having the best of everything? You know, great car, nice house, fancy clothes, great office, whatever. Um, and do they assume that others are jealous of their talents and successes? So, you know, if you answer yes to more than one or of those, <laughs> or more, you know, you might, you might want to do a little reflection. Um, I, but the, yeah, the, the narcissists that I've encountered in my life, the, the, they're all checked off. Yeah, exactly. They're all. Exactly. A hundred percent. Um, and you might also be wondering, okay, so how do I know if I've been like, like psychologically abused? Um, that's another really common question. So if you are a victim of gaslighting, so where the person is saying things to you like, that never happened, I never did that, you're crazy, you're making this up, you are too sensitive, I was just joking, can't you take a joke? Oh, oh my gosh, you're overreacting. Um, oh yeah, or my favorite, you know, if you're a woman, you're PMSing, um, oh. yeah. <laughs> Um, mocking you, bullying, intimidating you, making fun of you in front of other people. Again, not being able to be held accountable for their actions, blaming others, denying, deflecting, and then, you know, sucking you back in with a little breadcrumbing of that love bombing and wonderfulness, just keep you hooked. And then going around that cycle of abuse again. So if any of that sounds familiar to you, again, it's pretty um, certain that you're in, you know, an, a relationship that isn't healthy and that is, is, you know, has hallmarks of emotional abuse. This has traumatic impact on your brain. So are you feeling hyper alert, constantly on edge, walking on eggshells, waiting for something bad to happen? Does it feel like you're helpless? Are you feeling confused? Do you think you're going crazy? These are all the things that, that we experience and certainly things that I experienced myself, low self-worth. So these are the things that I wanna kind of highlight. And then to answer your, what can I do about this? Number one, I mean, ideally we wanna go no contact Absolutely. whenever possible. Absolutely. So, I mean, if you are able to just cut this person out of your life, change block, your phone number, <laughs> all that everything yeah. block them from social media delete your social media and create a new one like just cut them out of your life this is the only way to ensure that you're never going to have further abuse from that person yeah. 
Um, if it's not possible, for example, if you have, if you share children, if you share, you know, assets, property, that kind of thing, and you, it's going to be a, a drawn out process, um, then it's very important to set, to get, understand how to set boundaries. So quite often over the course of our relationships with these people, the boundaries that we used to be really good at have eroded over time because they keep knocking them down. And so we have to set very clear boundaries and be relentless in sticking to them and going what we call gray rock. I don't know if that's the term that you've probably heard before, but going gray rock essentially means when you do engage in communication, it is as bland, basic, and boring as possible. Don't give Mono them any fuel monosyllabic if possible like one word answers two word answers logistics focused only zero back and forth about feelings no discussion just time place pick up drop off done you limit it to one method of communication they're only allowed to email or they're only allowed to text better yet use an app that can be used in court such as our family wizard download that um, because limit them to only being able to communicate with you in one way. You don't answer the phone. You don't listen to the messages. You send the emails to, to spam. You like, it's just all blocked except for one method of communication. Only if you have to, because you, you know, only if you absolutely have to. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Other than and that, you, cut them out. When you, when you do interact, it is just, Yes. Stone face, boring, logistics focused only. And so that is something that you can do. And then if you're still like, well, I still live with this person. So what do I do in that situation? So I recommend using what we call the Jade technique. So Jade, J-A-D-E. And Jade means that when we interact with narcissistic people, and this is, I think, applicable to, you know, narcissists in the workplace, maybe family members, other family members, et cetera. Um, we never, ever justify, argue, defend ourselves, or explain our actions to a narcissist. So we don't justify, we don't argue, we don't defend, and we don't explain ourselves. You play possum. <laughs> yep. You build a support system. You engage, you, most importantly, engage get the in hell trauma out therapy, of there. Engage in trauma therapy with someone who has like training in PTSD, trauma recovery, abusive relationships, you know, domestic violence, abuse, whatever. You need to engage in, in therapy with someone who knows how to help you manage and navigate. The traumatic impact that this has had on your brain. It and the, a traumatic impact it's had on your brain and also your heart. Oh, I, absolutely. Because absolutely. what happens too is that when you are when you're the victim of a narcissist and you and and it's before you actually realize it, but it's when they have when they have churned up and gotten all that emotional fuel out of you, and usually it's to break your heart. So you know whatever it is, whatever manipulation in order to absolutely shatter your heart, because again, they have no empathy. They have no, there's no heart there. So no. once, once you've completely, they've completely shattered your heart, then again, they'll move on to get more fuel or they'll come back. They'll say, Oh, I'm sorry. I really love you. Da, 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 da. So they're going to love bomb you to get I've more fuel. Out of you. I've gone to therapy. It's yes. going to be different this time. Yes. I can't do without you. No, 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 no. This is but all. This is the thing is that it, it, this is why it can ruin so many lives too, is not, it's not only the mental, but it's the heart. Oh, it's the heart. And, well, and we have with trauma bond. So we, we become trauma bonded to our partners. And we also don't trust anyone else. How can you trust anyone after World someone has, has love bummed you and narcissistic you, right? And manipulated. Exactly. So what happens is that you go, you know what? I'll never ever open my heart again to another person. Yep. Because that person who did that to you was so convincing, was exactly. so believable that even your friends and family were thinking they're the greatest thing since sliced bread. Mm -hmm. 
And we didn't even get into the whole um, flying monkey thing too. Oh, oh yes. That's a whole other <laughs> kettle of fish. Exactly. Um, yeah. And, you know, they try to recruit people, you know, friends and family members to be their flying monkeys. In my case, you know, my family were, he was successful temporarily. And then once I actually found out what they said to, what he said to them, then, you know, it all came unraveling very quickly and they never spoke to him again, of course. Well, they don't count on people actually like, talking to each other either no they're not checking they sources and going wait a second yeah said, yeah, yeah yeah exactly i never did that i was never there what wait wait what what yeah exactly and you then know, the web of lies all comes undone and yeah you know and it's interesting that he never ever contacted them again after that phone call oh really yeah never again how interesting yeah so yeah, you know, the flying monkeys is really, really, it's, it's a challenge too, because then, you know, they're going to have this whole smear campaign about how terrible you were and try to get people again to feel sorry for them because they're the innocent victims, of course, in yes. all of this, Yes. Um, having to deal with, you know, their crazy partner. Yes. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, it's just next level, right? And it makes you go next level and it makes you feel like you know what you don't know up, up from down and so that's why engaging in trauma therapy is super important um because you need someone to kind of you need some support to kind you of do. navigate through you need to sense that. you need to talk to, you need to talk to someone and you need to yeah. and and i and i agree completely the best thing to do is absolutely no contact absolutely it's almost like you just you pretend that they're dead and like the data, the data is in from psychologists to neurologists, to psychiatrists, therapists to like, you know, don't talk to them. <laughs> because, exactly. because, and if you actually really do this kind of look at them and, and, and conceptualize that they are vampires, would you hang around a vampire? Well, no, no, no we wouldn't. And because I your them, neck I, is looking really good to a vampire, right? And I and, ask people, I'm like, if on date number one, your partner behaved to you and treated you the same way that they did last week, would you have shown up for date number two? Nope. And the answer is no. We would have run for the hills, yeah. right? And like set everything on fire on the way out. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, the thing is that the manipulation is slow. It's progressive. It's insidious. It's very hard to see. It's playing on your weaknesses and on your vulnerabilities, like you mentioned earlier. And again, back to the seafood, because, you know, I'm an East Coast girl. It's like putting a lobster in boiling hot water immediately. Lobster's going to be like, ah, get me out of here. This is terrible. Danger, danger. But if you put a lobster in cold water and start slowly turn up the heat, it doesn't really notice that the temperature is going up. Yeah. And so we are the lobster in the cold water. <laughs> yes we are right and and that's and that that's what happens and then we, we don't realize it until we're reached the boiling point figuratively and literally you know oh my god this is terrible what what's happening right oh i i adore you heather you're a welcome back anytime absolutely I would anytime be happy to come back anytime because we can talk so much we can talk we about can, this forever <laughs> right we could talk about yeah. this forever i want you back definitely on the show and um and if people because because people do need to talk about this and if people yeah. do need to reach out to you um uh, to talk to you and i understand you've you're you're offering something really amazing to our listeners and our viewers and that's a consultation with, with them? It's Yeah. So actually, I have two things that I'd love to offer wow. to um, our listeners. Um, one is um, a, a download, free download of my book work that specifically focuses on healing from the trauma of narcissistic wow. abuse. Um, and so um, there's a link to download that from my website. So please go ahead, feel free to go and download that and, and, and hopefully you'll find it helpful. Um, and then also um, I'm happy to provide, yeah, consultation, free consultation to anyone who would like to reach out and just touch base so that I can provide perhaps some further information, some guidance. You want to talk about your situation. You want to get, um, you know, some ideas on what you might do. Um, I'd be happy to meet with you. So those are two things that I would wow, that um, is, love to share. That just made my heart like, 
<laughs> that is so, um, that is really beautiful and generous of you. And I know, well, because you yourself have been a victim, so you know how devastating right. it is. I'm getting teary eyed yeah. here. Um, so I mean, it was my clients that who showed up in my office. It's so, it's so interesting. You know, I, I was in this kind of smaller city, just doing a private practice and the amount of people, mainly women, but also a few men have yeah. shown up in my office in this situation, in these abusive relationships, like trying to make sense of it, trying to leave, like not understanding what's happening. And so, and I was just like, wow, this must be such like, such a, like a much bigger problem than I ever thought of, you know, just because I survived it. And I didn't really think how prevalent it was, you know? And so it was my, my very brave clients who I've had the privilege of knowing and working with that inspired me to write the book and to kind of, because there's so many more people out there more than I know who are struggling with this. And I know when I was in it or when I was just out of it, you know, in that like lonely Island, like what the hell am I going to do? I would have really benefited from, from this. Exactly. It's, um, it saves lives, I think, is what it, the, the work that you do. It really it, it, it really can because it it can mess with your mind. And it can mess with your heart. And, you know, just think about all those wonderful future relationships that you can have after just knowing what you've dealt with and processing that. And so thank you so very much. Um, we'll put the link uh, for the, the book. People can you can download Heather's book, which is. Yeah. Heal from your narcissist X. We'll put the link there. That is so generous that you're going to allow people to get the book for free. And also even more generous is a free session consultation session with Heather Kent. And I'll put the link in the show notes as well for that. You're an angel. Thank you so very much. And well, thank you so much for the work that you do and the in, important topics that you cover and the, you know, the, the topics that you share with the world, because if it weren't for you hosting all, all of the people that you have, then other listeners wouldn't be able to benefit. So oh, thank, thank you, you so darling. Thank you, thank you so much. Uh, thank you. And I want to thank you wonderful listeners and viewers on YouTube for tuning in today. Listen, if this show impacted you or if you know of someone who has been a victim of a narcissist please share this share the video share the uh the podcast share it with someone who can benefit from this program uh as far and as wide as you can and also if you just stumbled across the show please like and subscribe um we've got more great episodes coming up and we'll bring back heather kent we'll bring her back as well to talk more about this narcissistic crazy stuff that's been happening in the world until next time i'm christine blasdale thank you so very much for listening and as i always say remember to think outside that damn box mm -hmm. bye for now